Today in Science from Wired. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is the Spoken Edition of Wired. On Monday, at a launch center in the middle of the Gobi Desert, two Taikonauts boarded a spacecraft and rocketed into space. Yesterday, their ship, Shenzhou-11, docked with China's experimental space lab, Tiangong-2. For the next 30 days, China's longest crewed space mission, they will conduct experiments, test equipment, practice repairs, try to grow plants, and keep track of how the space environment affects their bodies. Sound familiar, space fans? It should. Tiangong-2 is like a baby international space station. Sure, it doesn't have the ISS's scale, technological sophistication, or multinational backing, but it's the technical testing ground for the grown-up space station China plans to launch in the next couple of years, which will be more permanent at about the size of Mir, the Soviet Union's space station in the 80s and 90s. But mostly, Tiangong-2 is an important part of China's long-term plan to build a moon base, and from there, it'll be hard to deny China a seat at the space superpower table. Like everything China does, people consistently underestimate the nation's space program. Common snubs include its miles behind the curve, their gear is all Russian knockoffs, their launch schedules are hopelessly slapdash. Yeah, those have all been true at one point, but not an honest assessment of the program as it currently stands. China did not launch its first satellite until the 1970s and didn't really invest heavily in their space program until the early 90s. The Cultural Revolution was a bigger priority, but they've been gaining ground on the U.S. and Europe ever since. Early on, the nation's program relied on Russia, both for components and training for their would-be Taikonauts. And the Shenzhou spacecraft do resemble Soviet, now Russian, Soyuz, but don't hate. The Shenzhou is the same idea, but not a copy says Jonathan McDowell, an astrophysicist at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. In its present form, it's very much a Chinese vehicle. The Chinese spacecraft is bigger, more powerful, and its forward habitation module has solar panels that can provide power for a separate mission, even after the astronauts climb aboard Tiangong-2. Slapdash? Anything but. This is not a fly-by-night program, says Joan Johnson Fries, a professor of national security affairs at the U.S. Naval War College. They're just taking a very different approach than the U.S. did. We launched a lot. They only launch every three years or so, but take a very big step forward with each launch. The Chinese announced their manned spaceflight program in 1992 as an incremental three-step process. 
First, send someone on a non-fatal round-trip space journey, which they did in 2003. Like any trilogy, the second act is where things get exciting. Don't message us, you know The Empire Strikes Back and The Two Towers are where the drama's at. Part two of China's program is what's happening now. Launch some space labs and develop advanced spaceflight capabilities like orbital docking. Last is getting permanent structures out into orbit, like that space station we mentioned earlier. And sometime after that, the moon. China ramping up its space program has some people worried, and that's understandable. China's space program is run by the People's Liberation Army and has always had a strong military bent. It would not surprise me if during this month-long mission, the Taikonauts were used to do observations of military interest amongst their scientific experiments, McDowell says. It's not like U.S. astronauts have never been agents of the military, but really, the U.S. is unusual in that its military and civil space programs are fairly distinct. For those with reason to be concerned by such things, China's space program has a few concerning military projects. Looking at you, spy satellites and anti-satellite missiles, but the very unweaponized space station probably isn't one of them. The notion that China is a burgeoning space superpower is harder to deny. This is the pivot year in the Chinese space program, McDowell says. They've got lots of hardware coming through the pipeline and are now preparing to switch over to a new generation of rockets. A Long March 2F launched Monday's spacecraft, but China expects to start test flying the Long March 5 in early November. Newer, bigger rockets will allow China to launch that bigger space station. The next generation heavy lift Long March 5 rocket is powerful enough to get a craft to the moon. According to McDowell, Chinese Taikonauts are likely to reach that destination by the late 2020s. China's human spaceflight program is ticking off everything America and Russia did in the space age, McDowell says. And while China developing manned spaceflight prowess isn't a pressing security threat, it does stand to rebalance the global powers. Having your own space station flying somebody to the moon, that's what big countries do, says John Pike, a prominent military analyst and director of globalsecurity.org. It unambiguously demonstrates that China has stood up and wants to be taken seriously as a rising power. Crude spaceflight is basically a prestige move. It doesn't have the direct economic benefits of something like GPS or China's version, Beidou. The probable reason China wants people in space and why some people get huffy about China's space station or moon ambitions is because it gives them a shot at unseating NASA as Earth's premier space power player. We've taken careful aim and shot ourselves in the foot, says Johnson Fries. There's a perception that the U.S. is floundering and underfunded, and European astronaut wannabes are learning Chinese. To be fair, China is still about 20 years behind the U.S. in terms of spacecraft automation, sophistication, and reliability. According to McDowell, at the where-no-one-has-gone-before limits of the field, the U.S., Europe, and perhaps Japan are still the real power players. But as China continues to advance at gathering speeds, it sure seems like another space race might be in order. This article posted by Emma Gray Ellis. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.